and welcome back to the latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lily. And this week we're wrapping up the outsider. And y'all, I'm sad. Okay. We'll talk okay. about it when we get there. Alright. But before we do, uh, how was your week? Happy Father's Day. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Happy Father's Day to me. I had a really good week, not as strenuous as last week, where I was running to classes both days of the weekend. But I plan to catch up on that sometime during the week um, with having an instructor come by to bop me on the head with a sword. <gasps> Are you little bunny foo-foo? Yes. Oh. I'm little bunny foo-foo. It's been disguised from you for all this time. Wow. Yep, I've never so known. I will reveal myself and your eyes will behold bunny foo-foo in true glory. How was your week? It was good. My weekend was too busy and now it doesn't feel like I'm prepared for my week. Yeah, we so. took a trip, though. We did? Which is really nice. For your Father's house. Day. Yes. We went to... Inverness. We, we went to Inverness. We picked up some sandwiches. And mm-hmm. then we went from there to... Um, which one was it? I think I, it was Point Reyes Beach, north. Right, north. Which was lovely. So, that was really a nice time. Thank you. You're welcome. And then people were here yesterday. Well, a person was here yesterday. Yeah, and you played games. And I played a game. And now I'm just so tired. Yeah. I'm just so tired. So, hopefully I will catch up on sleep this week, but, you know, we don't hold our breath. Uh, Yeah. Yep. That is the price. (laughs) The other thing we did this weekend Mm -hmm. was watch The End of The Outsider. The Outsider, which was one of the, it's a family um, friendly show. It's not. Depends on the family. It depends. Uh, fair. <laughs> it doesn't everything. No, just to, to reiterate, it's available on HBO. HBO Max. HBO Max. Why? Was, why are you reiterating that? Um, Alan asked me to mention at the beginning of the program. Oh. Yes, HBO Max. Um, or just any HBO you have access right. to. It was an HBO program. And these episodes... Uh, Aired on March 1st and March 8th, 2020. Once again, it was a simpler time. I cannot imagine having to wait a week between these last two episodes to find out what happened. I don't remember if we ended up waiting and then watching them together. Because I didn't remember the end of it. I didn't remember that that Andy didn't make it. I was hopeful that he would. Well, we're about to really spoil the shit out of this whole thing. And so. didn't make it. So, first episode, mm-hmm. episode nine. Nine. Tigers and Bears. Oh, my. Also, we had mentioned we weren't sure what the mask that the outsider was wearing in the last episode was. Uh, y'all, the episode was called Foxhead. So, that would be our bad. I, I actually knew what it was, but I didn't want you to feel bad, so I didn't mention. The other thing the we didn't kind of touch on explicitly that I realized while while I was editing was so Jack Hoskins uh-huh. was denied a military position as sharpshooter because he failed his psych tests. But cop totally fine. That's an issue. <laughs> well we'll just leave it there and everyone can think about it. That's uh in the comfort of their own homes. That's maybe 
part of the problem with policing in America. I don't know. So that was pretty wild. So Tigers and Bears, written by Dennis Lehane. Uh, he had also written In the Pines, In the Pines. And um, he's, he likes to write murder mysteries. Okay. Well, That's that his sense. whole deal. Uh, and this one was directed by a woman. Good luck with that. By the name of Charlotte Brandstrom. That was so much easier. I said good luck, not because she was a woman, but because I was looking at her name going, I, I don't know. How it's to not. This. I don't. There, I may have mispronounced her vowels because mm-hmm. she does have not one, but two umlauts in her name, but something along those lines. And, uh,. And yeah, so this episode, we're really, we're heading into it. Mm-hmm. Um, Ralph, at the end of the previous episode, had had his come to Jesus moments, wherein he really fully embraces the otherness the of this thing. Yes. Of the cuckoo. Of El Cuco. And so he is on board. And he intend or he He's makes sure that everybody, because he in this episode says, "Howie, if you're going to be here, mm-hmm. you also need to be on board." Um, the team decide that from here on out, they need to tell Claude as little as possible because they believe that anything Claude knows, El Cuco knows. Now, that does turn out to be correct. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't understand how they get to that conclusion. I, I don't. That feels like a leap in logic to me. That just turns out to be right. So it's good that they well, made that leap in logic. But like hints throughout the story that it's um, it's like draining the person of their vital resources. The issue that we have is that we didn't see that happen to the first victim in our story. Terry didn't seem mm-hmm. to have anything like that. Neither did Heath or Maria Canellis. This is the first time we've seen we've spent any time with the victim of during the snatch the during this tra- during the transition period. Um, so we have a sample size of one, mm-hmm. and we know that, um, like. Uh, Holly believes that Jack also it can it's it knows what Jack sees. Right. And maybe that's where she's getting she's just well, Jack spreading that, that across her. right, spreading right, so. that across to all of the entities. But what Jack is to this thing and what Claude is to this thing are two very different things. So it's just it just feels like a leap. It's just like, okay, well this is what we've decided. Mm. And we're going to go with it. And we're going to make it true. But we're not going to say why logically she got there. So I don't... I, I, that's just a... It's a weird plot hole to me. Uh, they send Claude out of town with Howie to get some good, good fried chicken while they come up with a plan. Because, as I said, they don't want Claude to know what they're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Because they figure that means that it will then know that they're coming, and yeah. that is not what they want. Uh, the other thing that we see in this episode, we start, in fact, with um, 
it turns out to be a flashback to 1947, uh, where two boys get lost in a cave. Uh, and, and we only see sort of the first half of that story in that time. And it was hard to tell. It's funny because when you're watching rural people, other than the cars, that was how you knew the cars yeah. in the parking lot. Um, and the fact that the, the entrance fee to the cave was a quarter. So it was, you know, it had to be a while ago. But these boys messing around in this barn and then going to look for a, a look, look at a cave. It could be now. Yeah, I think the flashback was cleverly done because it tells a parallel and a parallel story that we eventually learn from one of the characters. Yes. As a past event that happened to their family. Yeah, well, um, near their family and then well, no, to their family. Lost, well, I know, but the boys right. are not the boys related. The are not, but the rescue party was, largely. So in in this uh, town, there were two cemeteries. They think that this thing nests near the cemetery of mm -hmm. the family of its victim. And the Boltons favored the cemetery that isn't even there anymore because it got washed away. Right. But then later we come to find out that in the 1947, when these two boys went went missing, the search party that went in after them contained four of the Bolton men, and they were trapped right. inside the bear cave, which is why it's not on any of the maps, because it's been sealed up since 1947, when these men trying to save these kids were trapped, a group of, what was it, like 20, it was like 27 people. The search party was like a big group of people, mm -hmm. and they all got sealed inside of this cave and starved to death in there. Right. They did not, it, it didn't collapse on them. No, it was a slow, they were sealed within. Death. Right. So uh, when when uh, Ralph and Holly hear that, they're like, well, that's definitely where he is. That and the fact that the little boy, when they in interview mm -hmm. him, he says, he's going to take me to the bear cave. Right. So they know sort of pretty definitively this is where it, where it is. And the plan is going to be drive out, make sure that he's there, Maybe try and seal him in, but if not, just get out around him and then call in there in Tennessee, right? Mm -hmm. um, Cecil, Tennessee was the name of the town. Uh, and Cave Stock was the name of the festival. Right. So they're going to call out the Bureau of Investigation and say, hey, the, the thing that killed, the dude that killed. Well, it seemed like that wouldn't even stop there, that they were willing to go and call the National Guard or whoever else. Whoever else. But yeah. they were not, they were not fixing they to be the cavalry. They were going to engage. They were they going, were to, going locate to locate and contain. And contain. That Absolutely. is what the mission is. Never Me works out. Where Howard goes and uh, takes. Claude out of town, and then when mm -hmm. they come back, they kind of all decide that's what they're going to do. Right. And they they go and leave Claude, Claude's brother Seal, mm -hmm. and Howard behind. Now, Seal's the one with who's some drugs. The story well, yeah, Seal is the one out. that had told them. And Seal is an interesting character because he's not um, 
he really is suspicious of everything that's happening. And he does have the right to be because this is such a bizarre story. It is a bizarre story. They, they, he sees that they're not trying to frame his brother. Well, they, he, he also sees believes that. that. He believes in Quad, and that, I think that's what gives the story any kind of weight. He doesn't necessarily believe in their interpretation of what's happening. No, and he doesn't believe that Cloud should be kept in the dark, right. which is fundamentally what ends up being like an issue. They're undoing. So they're all sitting there, the three of them left behind after the other, the the rest of the group goes. And this is Howard, Claude, and Howard, Seal. Claude, and Seal smoking some weed. Mm-hmm. Howard too. Howard goes to get some of the leftover Howard's fried a cool chicken. Guy. I like him. And uh, hears Seal tell Claude in the other room what where they've gone. Right. And Claude's response is, don't you know what you just did? Really? Like, Claude instantly knows that this thing now knows everything that he just was told. Yeah. And so they start getting on the phone, but they all pile into a car. Uh, Seal's got a gun. Claude... Felon that he is, ex-felon that he is, knows he can't have a firearm, so he grabs a bat, which you were like, what are you going to do with a bat? I'm like, well, it's better than nothing. Yeah, well, I understand that, but a baseball bat. But I was was impressed with Claude's, like, presence of mind. I can't have a firearm, right? Right. And and Howard's got some sort of bludgeoning weapon Mm -hmm. as well, I believe. And they head out, and they're trying to get... They're trying to call out. They're trying to call out, and Seal's like, "Well, they probably don't have any power out there. That'd be my bad." And if they get into the caves, there's absolutely no reception. Well, I, they were not planning on going into the cave. Well, At th- no point were they planning on going into the cave. I think they were the trying to identify that it was there. That that was one of the deals. Yeah, but I think that they were just going to be outside. They were going to hmm. find an entrance. I don't think they were going in. Hmm. I, I think that they were just planning on finding whatever entrance there may be. And blocking it somehow with either bodily or with, you know, a car or something to keep whatever was in the cave in the cave. But of course, the outsider now knows that they're on the way and it sends a fucking sharpshooter out into the woods to a high vantage point and we get basically a repeat of the scene from um, Dr. Sleep. The ambush scene from Dr. Sleep. I think that in this one worked... I mean, because the, the episode 9 ends with... Like, we've covered basically right. everything that happens in the right. episode. The, the episode's a full length, but a bun- I think 15 minutes of it is probably the flashbacks. Right. Maybe even 20 minutes of it. Um, and then it's just conversations between characters saying, like, it's Ralph telling Howard, get on board or get right. the fuck out. And also, Howard it's Seal and telling together. It, it, yes, but Quir- it's, yeah. it's Seal telling everybody, uh-huh. I don't agree with what you're doing. And right. then them still leaving Seal behind to go ahead and fuck up their plans, which I, that's what I don't understand. As soon as Seal said, like, for the third time, I think it's fucked up that you're not telling him, I'm like, get in the fucking car. Because I cannot trust you. But the issue is you can't trust him in an emergency either. But it does, at least he's not talking to Claude. Well, I don't think they anticipated that, frankly. I don't think they anticipated that they wanted to keep Claude out of it for obvious reasons, and they thought they that, have to. They can't. that Seal would at least act in everyone's interest because they realized that they were trying to help Claude. 
And I think that the fact that they did not, or that they worked very hard to work with the detectives and try to gather evidence for the the coming fight to prove that it wasn't Quad, so that he's completely out of the picture, I think that they probably thought that was going to convince them, convince Seal. It just he keeps saying it. He right. keeps bringing it up. And at that point, I'm like, look, if he decides to say something, we're mm. fucked. Like, they know that. Well, there's a great line that he has afterwards. Um, and there's a lot of great performances in this episode. And you get to the end of it, and you get the feeling that something really bad is going to happen. Um, but Howard and Claude together, I think, are really funny as a, as a pair. Uh, driving off to get this fried chicken. Yeah. And that becomes Howard's focus through this episode, is getting more of the fried chicken. Well, I mean, and not later really. On, when he needs just... to go back in the kitchen to get yeah. more of the fried chicken is when Seal takes the opportunity. Right. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of good interactions. There's a, an interesting moment where Claude n- informs uh, Howard that he had been one of his clients a long time ago. Yeah, eight years previously, he got and six Howard's months like, in prison and some right and a fine or something. Howard like tells that. him that you weren't bad enough to remember, right? Given all the really bad people I've had to, had to defend, right? Because Claude is not a bad dude. He's a, the town fuck up. Yeah, and something tells me that Seal is his town's fuck up. And and my sense, well, no, I don't think that that's entirely true. Yeah. Um. My sense is that Claude got put into a system, and once you're in the system, right, but your job prospects are minimal. I don't think Seal's ever been incarcerated, really. But he's a fuck-up in that, or the tough fuck-up in that, the police know him on site. He's been in, I don't know right, how many fights like, he's taken. Right, but like, county lockup is very different than federal prison, which well, Seal, which right. which um, Claude clearly has, right? So that's the thing. Yeah, no, they're 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 both, you know... Right. Hard cases or whatever, but they're also not ho- that hard. They're, they're pretty they're soft. Not, they're not <laughs> bad people. I think that Claude no. Cla- is actually more like he's matured and understood more. Maybe he grabbed a bat and not right. a gun. Like, well, that says a lot. On top of that, the way he chastises his brother. Yeah, like, instantly you know he's like, did. you fucked up. And then the brother's realization, I did. He knows that he did he it. He knows he did And too. so he's out there Which trying to... Which is why they it. all went out. Right. They didn't, they didn't out, hide from it. They were like, we gotta go. This no. whole kind of... Yeah. Yeah. We do have little final conversations between a bunch of the different people, specifically when uh, Holly and Andy pull up. Um, they've got a nice little moment together. And I'm like, oh no. Uh, they all get out of the van, and we have seen, or the the two trucks. They brought two two cars with them, and uh, we have now seen that Jack is drinking extremely heavily. He has right. half a bottle through, uh, or halfway through a bottle of Jack Daniels. From the time we he he gets his order mm-hmm. to the time he starts firing his weapon, he doesn't want to do this. He's right trying actively not to do this, but he is unable to fight this thing in his head. And uh, so as they're all standing around trying to sort of get together to see what their next step is, they, they, they're they in the parking lot to this 
shed that used to be the entrance to the cave. Mm -hmm. And uh, we see Jack sighting each of them. Mm -hmm. And finally he pulls the trigger and we see Alec hit in the back of the head. We see his blood spatter on Ralph's face. And so Ralph goes like kind of into shock immediately. And then the the screen fades to black and we just hear gunshot, gunshot. Like it's like eight shots just and not hurried one after another. And you don't know who or what is getting hit. And then that's that must have been a really hard week for the people who were watching it week to week when it yes. first debuted. Because you're aware that there's going to be some carnage. You're aware of the skill level that Jack has. Yes. And the fact that he's now... Pushing. Now, he has done his best right. to obfuscate that skill, right? right? That's part of the why he's drinking. Yeah. But his first his first bullet, the first gunshot he gets off, kills Alec immediately. Yeah. He, it's a headshot. So, like we said, we don't know how clear the outsider can make his brain out of the fog. He's clearly trying to well, tamp he's it to down, it but with the alcohol, it yeah. looks sort of fuzzy. But again, he this is um, he's a sniper. He this is what it's he a conditioned does. Conditioned skill, yes. So he, yeah, it, it, I think that was a really good creative choice in the end. To it was a terrible choice for the audience, I think, though in that they had to wait to find out who survived and who made it out of there. But that first loss is a, is a big one, too, because this is the only guy who's not so gung-ho and who No, and he sense. knew. He right. knew. He sensed it, that, that mm-hmm. t- t- taste of pennies in his mouth. He knew that he shouldn't go out there, yeah. and he did it anyway. When the final episode, it, uh, it aired on March 8th, 2020, it's called Must Slash Can't. Uh-huh. And the first 10 minutes basically is the shootout. The conclusion of the shootout. It just picks right up. It actually picks up with Jack firing those gunshots that we heard. Uh-huh. Now, when we heard them the first time, it's just gunshots. You don't hear anything else. It's silence other than the gunshots. Here we see him muttering to himself. And he's literally saying... Don't come out. Stay behind the cars. Like, he's trying to get, like, will them to get to places where he cannot shoot them. And uh, right as it's starting, Howard, Claude, and Seal sort of show up. And Seal goes to charge Jack, who's on a hill, and is killed. Right. Uh, He's the next one. Andy... Tries to he he's try he wants to try and get some some phone reception to call yeah. for help. So he runs for the car, is able to drive away, but Jack's a fucking really good shot and he shoots him through the window. We see him slump down and then Jack shoots the gas tank mm-hmm. and then fires at the gas puddle that starts forming to try and get it to spark. Howard sees that, sees Holly is distraught and she tries to go after him and Howard stops her and goes after him himself. And right when he gets to the door, the car explodes. So now we've taken out Alec. Mm -hmm. We've taken out Seal. We've taken out um, Andy. 
and we've taken out Howard. Eunice is shot in the arm, but he is not. Yeah. It's not a fatal shot. It's not shot. fatal like it has been for the others. So now we have Holly, Claude, Eunice wounded, mm-hmm. and Ralph. That's who's left. Half, fully half of our party There's a, is deceased. I have to say that, and I mentioned this to you when we were watching it, that it reminded me of those big, long, extended action scenes that were the highlight of every season of True Detective. Yes, yeah. In that it's really, it's very intense, it's really merciless. Mm-hmm. Um, because these are characters that we like, and we still see when Howie tries to get into the car, there's an explosion, he's blown clear, and then we just get lots of coverage of his corpse on fire. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. it's really heartless. And the car on fire, and yeah. Right, and Andy on fire. And so yeah. it's really kind of heartless. There's, there's no sparing the audience in this But case. then Holly comes out and stares up at mm-hmm. Jack. Just stands out in the open and yells, damn you to hell. Right. And Jack is ordered by the outsider to kill him, and he... And and Jack doesn't do it, right? Or to kill her, and Jack doesn't do it. And this is her act, his act of defiance, I think. Yes. Um, At that point, he comes down off of his perch, whether he's out of bullets and was able to keep himself from reloading. Uh-huh. Um, certainly, he's not out of bullets, out of bullets, but right. his gun may be empty at this time. Uh, but we know that it isn't because right. he comes down. No, wait, you missed a point though. What's that? Is that he had a little friend up there on the rock with him? Which is a rattlesnake. Oh, yes. There's a rattlesnake. We saw it at the end of the first episode. And then he kind of uh, dares it to bite him. He wants to to die at this point. Um, This is his confrontation with... He's confrontation with the cops. This is... He gets bit by this rattlesnake after he taunts it. And he comes down the hill. And he says, it's in the cave. Kill it. And then he puts his rifle on the ground. And he leans over it, and he kills himself. Right. We don't have to get... Uh, no, you can imagine. <laughs> we don't have to get... But he's already been bitten by the snake, too. He, he's been bitten so by the he's snake. he's going to die. His face is destroyed. Not necessarily. Well, I, there's not going to get anybody to... I mean, there's... Yeah, but a rattlesnake won't necessarily kill a man his size. Maybe... Did it, you bite him more than once, then? I don't... We don't know. Right. We only see one... Okay, I thought that the, the the snake actually bit him more than once, but no, we only see the one. But mm. it's it's entirely possible. And at that point, Claude is totally dissociating. At this point, he wants to save his brother. His brother is right. beyond saving. So Ralph and Holly are going to go into the cave, and Eunice is going to stay with Claude and try and get some help. So we're going to separate because, you know, splitting up, that's the thing to do. Well, there's really Eunice and there's not much Claude can do. No, Claude is Claude right. is like fully dissociated right now. Like and he, then Eunice is seriously he's in shock. And he is. Yeah. I don't know that and he has he has even the physical the, ability, the ability to, to move his right. one, the arm that was struck or the, the, that he was struck in the shoulder. No, it's true that he shouldn't be going in. But yeah. I don't I would argue Neither should Ralph and Holly, but that's mm, fine. They're yeah. going. They're not gonna. They can't stop now. Like they, right. they're daring it. So they go in, and it sort of. It, Holly sees that it 
grabbed the railing. Mm-hmm. It, it used the railing. And she tells Jack, or she tells Ralph, it can be killed. Because it wouldn't use the railing if falling wouldn't hurt it. Right. So she knows that it has some mortality to it. And we hear it say, careful, it's slippery in there. It'd be a shame for you to come this far (laughs) and fall. And so then they have a conversation. Ralph and Holly and not Claude have a conversation. And that conversation, you know, it asks Holly why she was so open to believing in it. She asks it, you know, where are, what are you? Where do you come from? Are you alone? Are there more of you? And nobody's answering anybody's questions. Right. Like, they're just not, they're talking past each other. It makes moves to go towards Ralph, who has his gun drawn on it. And he's like, you don't want to do that. And he yells, will the real Claude Bolton please stand up? And the whole cave, like, mm. shakes. And you can see the, is it stalactite on the yeah. ceiling? Or stalactite? I believe stalactites on the ceiling. Getting ready. Like, the whole place is, if he fires a gun, the whole place is Comes down. Fly. And they know what happens. They know what the, happens. Yes. They get trapped it's in already it. happened they in this cave. A horrible death. Yeah. Because they find the bodies, right? They find the bones and remains, not just of his victims, but also uh, markers left behind by the people who died in the cave. The X's from the um, search party. Right. We're looking for the boys, yeah. And uh, Claude comes in, though, and even though Ralph is like, don't do it, he shoots. (laughs) He shoots himself. But there's a Mm face-off of these two... It's this actor versus this actor, right? And this actor, his name is Patty Constantine. And I don't... Do I know him from other things? He's very good at that. You... I've, I've known him for a while. He was the... Let me just double check to make sure and I'm right. I believe his name is, yeah, Cons, Considine. Excuse me. So I'm... I'm. It's Patty, P-A-D-D-Y, which and is I an know Irish you've seen name. Him. Oh, yes. <laughs> He's as Irish as can, can be. Well, um, he was born on Burton on St- Trent, Staffordshire. Uh, let's see. Well, he's been in a lot of films that I've seen. Uh, but the part that I remember him most from was in America. Well, he's going to play Viserys Targaryen in the upcoming prequel to the Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sure that... Maybe, well, no, we can't cover that because you've seen it. Um, but uh, I remember him from In America, where he played the dad. I've never seen In America. Which is a really good film. And also uh, The Bourne Ultimatum, where okay. he was a journalist. And that might have been, I remember seeing that film with you and with my I, nephew, I have seen all of ago. those movies, and like Chewing mm-hmm. Gum, they have left me. Right. But I enjoy them. Um, yeah, no, he's been in a ton of stuff, but he's very good. And... Oh, he was in Child 44, which I also gifts, saw. Which is another film that you saw him in? Yes. Um, and Child 44, which is a weird movie, but I, yeah, I, I saw that as well. So, he, we there's a little vignette after this episode where they talk about how this scene doesn't work without okay. somebody who can play both a monster and not a monster in the mm-hmm. same scene, right? Like, okay. 
the outsider, that version of him, is literally a child-eating monster. Now, I would you'd also argue because I think he does say, you know, do you feel bad when you eat when you look at eggs? Like you're <laughs> eggs to me, right? Like, right. and and because Holly asks why children, mm-hmm. and he says because they're sweetest, which. Right. If it's a predator and we are, it's cows. Yeah. Why do we eat veal? It's the. I mean, it's it sucks to make that simplification. But if this is not a human, if this is a different species on which or that feeds on human beings, then yeah, children are sweetest. But specifically, also, if you are a grief eater, mm-hmm. the the accoutrement around the eating of a child, right is going to be better than any, you know, if you eat old people, people are like, yeah, that, I'm sad that Graham's died, but right. she lived a long and, you know, fruitful life. It's, it's not, you're not going to get kind the tough, grief, like old but you're not going to get the right. grief, the grief gonna, that yeah. goes along with it. And, uh, and Claude's, like I said, Claude's probably fully disassociating at this point. He is in the middle of a, some sort of break. Well, the shock of actually seeing yourself, too. Mm-hmm. And you can see the difference because the uh, cuckoo is, like, molting. He, look, it's, one of the ways that mm-hmm. it's described, I think, in the previous episode, the grandfather um, from Cavestock, the one that had... Oh, that, yes, that was good. Had tackled. T- tackled him, right, and saved his grandson. He said, you know, he was wearing the mask, and when I pulled the mask off, mask off, his eyes still looked like he was looking right. at me through a mask. So he, because he wasn't even all the way sort of ripe yet mm-hmm. like he wasn't he i don't know that he's done he's also um yeah he's the facial hair situation is different like you right. can't tell them the difference it's not like you know if if holly and ralph had gotten knocked out and right. come to they would have looked at them and not known yeah. which one was which yeah, that wasn't the difference between the two yeah of them. and so which i think is good I, I yes a doppelganger story is good and one thing but that's not exactly what this is right. this thing gets to a point where it can make especially cameras and stuff believe that it's you uh-huh. but you're never going to be like or like your close friends and family it's there's a reason it didn't to... go to Terry Maitland's right. family's right, house exactly. as Terry Maitland like his glory would have known that this was not her it husband sticks to dark rooms and dark yeah. places and yeah. yeah and Claude can't take it and Claude sh- shoots it and then there's like a collapse and it is impaled by one of said stalactites. Holly goes to lead... Uh, Holly and Ralph go to, go to lead Claude out. Mm-hmm. And on the way out, Ralph sees two images of his son. Mm-hmm. Like, standing sentry. Right. And he says, go ahead, I'm gonna, I'll meet you out there. And he, Ralph turns around and goes back. Now, I believe in the book... This is given to Holly. Holly gets to do this. Shockingly, in the in the in the adaptation, they give it to the man to do. He goes back and he's like, "You're playing possum. I think you can die. I mm-hmm. don't think you are dead. Uh, I don't know what the best way to do it is because Holly had grabbed, taken his knife, and shoved it in where right. his heart would be. That's still a Holly thing to do. Is yes. To, yes. So she did that. 
but that didn't do it. And mm. we don't know what its internal organ structure yeah. is, or even if there are internal organs. <laughs> so Ralph picks up a big rock and really pulls a Holly Gibney. <laughs> but he doesn't know that <laughs> because he doesn't know her story from Mr. Mercedes right. and uh, bashes him in the head with the big rock, presumably bringing everything well, it also a pulls a trick on him in the very end, though. It does. It it goes through. It it morphs its face into all of the people it had been. Mm-hmm. And but it does it in a weird way. Like the the I don't know if those effects weren't very good or if it was ha- struggling because it didn't quite get too recognizable. Well, no. At what all. it did at times is to. Like, it was two or three faces layered on top of each other. Mm-hmm. And so its face was never solid. It was just mm-hmm. transitional. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to understand what that meant to the story. Is if it's like, is it mocking him or taunting him? Because we know that it does that. But, or is that just what happens to it right. as it dies? Or like is we it don't trying know. to, you know, change into a face that will stop him from doing what he's right. about to do? I don't know that it trades on... Sympathy, though. Right. I don't know that he would even know to do that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. I don't know that it has that right. some, impetus in yeah. self, inside of itself that yeah. would, that, that like a last line of protection, make it, you know, have big eyes and look yeah, like a kid and then he won't I could kill see me. that if it was a creature that didn't, was more like an animal than an intelligent being, which it obviously is. And I like the fact that it has these conversations with them. Um, the characters at the very end to sort of let you know it's an intelligent being. It's not irrational. It's not a, a monster that... But it does seem to not really know if it is... The, it, it says sometimes it feels like there are more out mm-hmm. in the world, but it right. doesn't seem like it really knows where it comes from, how long it's been around. Well, that's why I felt that between this and other references that we found, it's like this is another one of the species of the creature that we see in It. Or something very similar. It eats, it devours, it goes into hibernation, it comes back on these cycles. and Sure, um, but not anywhere close to the type of cycle that the It right. one was on. Which is a very long period of time. Yeah, 27 years instead of 27 yeah. days. Because we're looking at 27 days, really, in this one. Yeah, I guess. 24 I to could... 27 days, that's what Holly had put it out. Like, about a month. Um, and it also leaves home. Which the creature in it doesn't do. Right. It it's yes. Right. It right. doesn't just say it, it does a, send like it does send holograms or whatever mm-hmm. out, but it also physically it actively is a goes thing, to yeah. other towns, it goes to other places and it essentially hitchhikes its way through the world. Yeah. Um and then we get sort of the wrap up. We got a little bit of it in the previous episode where mm-hmm. <sighs> Is it Alec and Ralph and Eunice, I think, all reach out to the DA and mm-hmm. they're like, so here's this video right. and we think that this is related to the Frankie Peterson killing. And basically it's them pushing and, and, and the DA knows something's fucked up, right? Like the DA believes this is a weird thing, but believed it was a Terry that fundamentally the Terry Maitland was guilty. Yeah. And now he sees, oh, it looks like this other person now. Mm. And so we see him go to glory and say, you know, tomorrow morning I'm going to have a press conference. We're reopening the case, the Frankie Peterson case. 
Um, it's a, and that was the other thing. By uh, Ralph disfiguring this thing's head, it means that they can pin the Frankie Peterson killings on, on it, rightly. Mm-hmm. This attempted kidnapping, and maybe even go back and do the Heath, the, the little girls that Heath Hofstetter supposedly right. killed. Um, I don't know. Uh, he's a, he's black and they were white, so I don't know that that will work, but they're going to exonerate t- Terry. Right. And then, you know, his last thing to her was, you know, due to pending litigation, uh, that you have filed, uh, to which I am a party. I cannot tell you what's in my heart, which mm. is because he cannot apologize to her. Right. Because it apologize, uh, an apology is an act of uh, uh, an omission of guilt, and when you are being sued, you cannot, you yeah. know, say that you're guilty. So, uh, but she understand, like she says, I understand. And then, you know, we see Glory close the door behind him as he leaves her house, and she's crying. And the kids come down and say, "Was he mean to you? Was he mean to you?" And she's like, "No, he wasn't mean to me." And then she hugs her babies, and maybe they will have a normal life <laughs> as much as you can as much as you can but maybe she won't be spit on by people in that's the town right. anymore so that's something and then we get a mid-credit scene and i'm not quite sure what this credit mid-credit scene is supposed to be telling us we do holly and ralph end up at peace with each other joking with each other even you know as she's packing up he's saying you know you're gonna fly or drive and she's like i'm gonna drive and but I've got some stops to make um, because she wants to make sure that Andy gets mm-hmm. returned to where he needs to go. She is having some significant guilt over his death because the only reason that he was there was for her to yeah. see her. And uh, you know she there we see them all telling their version of the story to the TBI people to sort of get the Frankie Peterson case merged in with this mm-hmm. so that they can get all of the, ti- yeah. all the, all the ends tied up. And she says, you know, I met him uh, in Dayton and he seemed competent. So I asked that they add him to the team, which is not true. Right. Um, he literally just came to be with her. And so she's got some guilt. Um, and Ralph's like, you know, I'd like to, I wouldn't mind working with you again. Maybe something simple, like a, what is it? A triple gang, homicide. A, triple, a gangland triple homicide or something like that, yeah. And then as she's walking out the door, he says, you know, what else, Holly, what else is out there? And she just, like, gives him a little smirk, shrugs her shoulders a little and walks out the door. Like, but her response previously had been, you know, when it asked me why I was so open to believing mm. in it, uh, my dad used to say, a man knows a man. Right. And if I had been thinking clearly and inclined to answer its questions, because she didn't really feel particularly right. inclined at that point to do anything she but stab it in the heart. About it, but yes. Right. She would have said, an outsider knows an outsider. Right. So the the outsider title, of course, is both... Holly applicable and... to Holly and this creature. Uh, and then, yeah, as I said, there's a mid-credit sequence wherein Holly is preparing for bed, it looks mm. like, and uh, she sees a flash of Jack behind, like, 
behind her in the mirror. And she looks, she uses a little mirror to look at the back of her neck. And the Wikipedia article says Holly is shown to have the same cut on her arm that the entity gave to the other victims. I don't remember that. I don't think that's true. I don't recall it either. Um, I think that they want you to not be quite sure if it's totally gone. But it didn't touch her. Right. It it wasn't close to her. It wasn't close to her. So I, I, I don't know... I don't think I don't. I don't know what the deal with that is, but I don't think that that is what I'm not going to take that away. Yeah. Uh, And and she appears in later Stephen King stories. Right. Like uh, uh, another book was released in 2020 after, well after The Outsider was published, and one of the short stories stars her, and she is not the Outsider preacher. It's that simply means it's marked you for imitation. Mm. That's true. So if it's dead, it's not. But it's right. This is her souvenir from this. Right. That's um, true. So, if, yeah. if it only if it lives in this yeah. physical form, they they killed this mm-hmm. physical form, and it wouldn't just be able to. Presumably, it wouldn't be able to just right. manifest think, a whole body from scratch. The ambiguity of it all, not to mention the fact that it's trapped down there, it's not going to go anywhere. Did um, they seal it in, or did the TBI go and take it out? I would assume the TBI they, went and The story they it told out. people was that there were two involved. One was Jack. He was yeah. compelled to do it. And the other one's on the run. But they know that it was not, of course, the person who killed the, child, uh, killed the boy that uh, Jason Bateman's character is responsible for, or held responsible for. So there's... um. Yeah, it, they, they tied up the ends uh, neat enough. I, I think there's a lot of great stuff. I don't know why people think Stephen King can't end everything because he ended this one very well, or at least the well, adaptation. Well, keep in does. mind too, the adaptation is right. the adaptation, and they do a good job of coaching each other on what they're going to say because yeah, they, can't they literally say, say we need to we they're, they're coming because and we need to get our story right to clear this one guy. Um. And not necessarily try to tell this incredible spook story. Also, they don't want the deaths of all these people, all these brave people who are out there trying to affect, sort of a trying to bring this person to justice. They don't want their deaths to become part of this spook story that they're going to wind up telling. Uh, but yeah, I, I just I really appreciated the ending. I appreciated. But I guess the really the the before the mid credit scene mm-hmm. after Holly leaves the last the, we are left with Ralph and Jeannie at Derek's mm-hmm. grave. Yeah, um, they put flowers on his grave and they say, you know, someday in the in the very distant future we're gonna go vi- we'll, we'll go see him, like we're gonna go visit him. So they 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 know that they will be back together, um, eventually. But they they kind of have healed a little bit too. Yeah. Like at one point, we see Jeannie just take that chair that the outsider was right. on and burn it in their backyard. We also see Jeannie talk to Glory and yes. have this interesting conversation. Well, you may not believe at all that any of this is what happened, but um, like she coaches her on the part. Can you accept the fact that it's over for you? And she can. Yeah. Uh, but she just can't bring herself to believe in. 
this really crazy story as much yeah, and she is. says i don't believe in any of it but i respect your mm-hmm. um sincerity of belief right uh and and they've been nothing but good to each other right. um and and they don't want that to stop based on other stuff and i think they'll be fine you know what i mean like um Especially since Gory's going to get a little bit of her life back. Yeah. Um, she can stop being so pissed. I mean, she can still be pissed. Be pissed. Her I husband mean, was murdered in the street. And I don't see how you live in a town where everyone just took for granted that this was you and they're, you know, abusing you and picking fights and whatever else. Um, so that's going to be still an adjustment, but at least the burden of living underneath that suspicion is gone. Or maybe it won't be gone. We've seen more than enough evidence that people are likely to keep on believing anything they want. So, who knows? But now she can point to something and say, no, he's been exonerated. That's the outsider. We did it. Yes. I think it's one of the best things we've seen. And I, like I think the, so, too. I kind of want to read the book now. I, that it. That is one of the very few books that I have not read. I would love to see... I think Ralph and Holly as... Team up again. Right. Yeah. Because they do sort of make a really good pair. Yeah. And I was really happy at the very end of it with what Cynthia Rebo brings to this character. Yeah, I really liked it. A lot of people didn't like... So Andy is an addition to the television show. Uh-huh. Um, and a lot of people say, you know, Holly was a, with, you know... With romantic interest, that's dumb. And that feels ableist and bullshit to me. Right. There's nothing to, to me in the Holly Gibney character that I have read, which is only in the Mr. Mercedes books. Mm-hmm. I haven't read this and I haven't read the follow-up. To say she's asexual. Right. And so it just feels like you think that people who are different shouldn't have sex. And that's uh, fucked up. <laughs> I'm like, I just really, I had a pretty, or, you know, autistic autistic people can't be in relationships, which is not true. There was one of the the bits about the television show Sherlock that I appreciated is the fact that Sherlock Holmes in these stories is mostly non-sexual, and that's a product of his time, the time that those stories are set in, but when the story gets updated... Johnny Lee Miller does a really interesting kind of sexualized version of Holmes where he is having relationships. And this is um, how he sorts it out in his head. This is how a person with his particular neurological issues finds a way around a relationship. Yeah. And I thought that was a neat thing to factor in. Yeah. And it should be said that Richard Price, the writer of most of these episodes, the showrunner of the uh-huh. show, the ad- adapter of this, did not read the Mr. Mercedes novels and did mm-hmm. not see the show. Okay. So what he and and asked Stephen King to change the name of the character. Like he did not want that string attached mm-hmm. to these other things. And Stephen King was like, yeah. no. <laughs> well, no, we mentioned that Stephen King loves Holly. Yes, but also, like, I don't think that this, that the character that we see in this uh-huh. couldn't be, I mean, ethnically, right. right. It's different actresses. That's fine. But if you take away the physical characteristics of the two actresses, mm-hmm. I do believe 
that the character that we see in Mr. Mercedes could age into the character right, we see exactly. in The Outsider. Absolutely. And there's, I think to me that explains the whole relationship with Ralph and why they're comfortable or she's comfortable right. with him. Right. Because he is like Bill. He is like Bill. And He's so, that father figure. Even though it's not the same, it's, it's a variation on the same character. Yeah. I see the through line. Yes. Yeah. So I just, that, that was an aggravating thing that I... I saw, but like I said, I haven't read the book because mm-hmm. I, I and I do know that she because Stephen King loves her and we know her from three other books right. previously. She is the one who gets the climax in the yeah. book, and that is taken and given to I, our I, main character I for this series. Um, when you this. mentioned that uh, the first time we were watching it, and I think that it might have been. A choice because we've followed Ralph this whole time. Right. And Holly wasn't introduced right away. Right. No, exactly. So that they felt that... That also comes from Richard Price right. not following the Holly character through right. to this piece, but just taking this piece of mm-hmm. writing and adapting it itself. And that final piece of logic seems more appropriate to Holly than it does to Ralph. But we've said... Well, up, especially because we've right. seen her do that literal same move. Right. Like, the... That's a Holly Gibney all day long. Take right. a big rock and hit Smash something in the head. In the head. Like, that's what, that's l- n- not even like figuratively what she right. did. It's what she did in the other movie well, I, um, or in the other story. And I think that because they followed Ralph, they wanted to give him the closure at the end with the creature where he has no ability now to question what he's seen because he's even seen it do the weird face changing thing. Um, but um, but yeah, I I think I probably would have liked Holly to see Holly do it and you know remind you. Oh no, this is Holly. She does get to plunge a knife into his chest though. So there's she that. does do that, and then she goes to pull it out, and Ralph's like, "I don't need the I don't knife, want that back. knife back. I'm fine. I don't, I'm fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The icker involved is not right. worth it. So yeah. So that is the outsider. Right. A pretty phenomenal piece of. Uh, Filmmaking? Cinema? Is it cinema when it's, it's 10 hours long? I don't know. Television, I think, still, but it's indicative of what television I don't know. Can if you be. told me this was going to be on, playing on the big screen yeah. over a five-week period, I'd watch it. No, I think it's indicative of what television can succeed with. Um, and also an indicative to me, because it effectively is more, it's horror, but it's also science fiction. And it's a procedural. It crosses a lot of genres. And um, and I appreciate the fact that it does them all really well. Yeah, I think so. Mr. Mercedes sort of fell down sometimes. Yeah. I feel like they didn't quite know the tone that they wanted, even through each arc. Right. They weren't certain of what they wanted, and so the end result is you get a kind of mixture of science fiction in, in Mr. Mercedes and this weird kind of... Uh, headspace where the character operates and he's able to launch his evil plans from there and mind control. And then as we mentioned, it doesn't even play a part in any of the climax of the story. So it was a completely useless introduction of a of a dramatic device for no particular reason. Mm-hmm. And so this one, everything feels like it 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 has a place. I'm still unable to get us onto the Peacock streaming platform. Um, We're still not going to be watching the third season of Mr. Mercedes, which means the next thing up is The Stand from 20... 
I want to say 2021, but it actually started in December of okay. 2020. Okay. I got to wonder when the pandemic started, what the producers and people uh, who made this movie or this show thought. Yeah. It's an- if they were just like, well, we're screwed, forget it. Uh, but they went through with it and they released it. It is a nine episode series which aired um, on. It used to be called CBS All Access. It is now called Paramount Plus. That is what we will be watching it on. Uh, and we will be watching only episode one for the first... How long is it? I don't know that. Okay. I just assumed that was the reason why it was going to be a really long episode. Uh, it's because it's nine episodes. Okay. So there's no way for us to split it up. Um, and I figure we'll do an overview and we'll, we're going to ha- we're gonna be introduced to a bunch of characters, I'm yeah. sure. The first episode is called The End. It's directed by Josh Boone, who directed the Fault in Our Stars movie. Uh, and uh, The New Mutants, which yeah. I liked very much. Yeah, so. that was good uh, And The Pretenders. The Pretenders? Do I know what that is? I don't. And he also didn't direct it. He wrote it. Okay. James Franco directed it. I will be navigating away from this page. Uh, to step away from the page. So for this, he directed it, he wrote it, and he's in, he's the EP for it. But he only directs the first and last episodes. Okay. So we will be watching The End, uh, originally airing December 17th, 2020. And we will... Start making our comparisons yeah. because we will not be able to help ourselves. That's I'm going sure. To be inevitable. I think that I'm expecting that the it might be a more polished production because that was one of the issues with the first time around was the fact that it had such an enormous cast and a hundred locations and yeah. that it was just this big unwieldy thing to make um, in a very limited amount of time. So I'm guessing that maybe those problems will have been overcome. Uh, we are sad to inform you that Amber Heard is in this movie or in the show. We do not endorse Amber Heard. No. But she plays Nadine. Yeah, well, so, there we go. Uh, bad things are going to happen to her? I don't know. That's terrible. I don't, I don't know. We have some repeat King Offenders, mm-hmm. but not that many. Okay. Curious to see how it goes. So, uh, we will be watching two episodes a week after the first episode, okay. I think. My my sense is we will know better. We may have to spread it out, do one mm-hmm. one per, depending on how dense each episode is. Right. Uh, because even at twice the runtime of the original miniseries, well, this isn't twice the runtime of the original miniseries. The original miniseries was four episodes, two hours long. This is five, uh, nine episodes, one hour, one hour long. So it's about the same length. Okay. It's a little bit longer, but it's not twice as long. Uh, so it's it's going to be pretty densely packed. We were able to do two at a time previously, so hopefully we'll be able to do two. At, to it at a time this time, but we won't really know until we get in there. So we'll discuss that as far as timing goes next week once we've seen the first episode right. and can kind of get into it. 
uh, in the meantime, do you have anything to recommend that isn't The Stand? I started listening to a podcast. It's called The Scream Scene Podcast. And Scream Scene? Scream Scene. Okay. And their hosts are Sarah and Ben, the hosts of the program. And they uh, have done something that I thought was even more ambitious than what we did with the Stephen King uh, adaptations, which is they're planning to see every horror film ever made. And there are quite a few episodes into it, and they're only, I think, in 1957. <laughs> they're still way far back. Mm-hmm. But they started with silent film. How do they... What list are they using? You know, I that's That'd be like... like just as somebody who's produced this and right. had to build a list for this. Yeah. I imagine there must what be... What list for every horror film? And right. also, how do you f- define horror film? Well, that's the odd part, because occasionally <laughs> they'll cover something like, they cover Gojira, and make the really good case that the first film is a horror film, the rest of them are technically like adventure films or science fiction movies, more likely than not science fiction. So they have a <clears throat> definition for right. horror film that they're sticking to. Okay. They have what they're sticking to, and occasionally it overlaps with other things, but they, uh, they, for instance, won't cover a particular film that people associate with horror because they're like, that's a giant bug movie. Or there's a, a, they have their very clear lines. So, um, but it's a, just an interesting conversation. They seem to be really well informed. And I'm enjoying going back and listening to sort of people discovering the kind of movies I grew up with because I didn't, I grew up in a very strict family. So we never went to the movie theater when we were kids. So what I did learn from was watching a lot of UHF television in the middle of the night. So a lot of the old Universal films, a lot of the old Hammer films are what I grew up watching. And it's interesting seeing two younger people suddenly have this thrown at them and go, oh, that was How really old are they? It's hard to tell. They both seem fairly young. The only representation I can find of them is a drawing, where one is Dracula and the other one is the Bride of Frankenstein. Um, it sounds like they're much younger than me, so uh, I'm guessing that's what it's from, That that's where that viewpoint is from. Uh, but, yeah, I'm appreciating it so far. I don't think I will listen to all of them, because, again, there's some awful horror movies that were made in the 1930s and 40s. But uh, but it's interesting to look back and catch up on things and go, I'm really glad that somebody else appreciated that or saw the same sort of things that I did in it. Uh, and yeah. well, they, no, they have a list on their Tumblr. Right, they have a list on their Tumblr, but I don't know where their list came from. Like where they, I'm sure that... Oh, this is just the list of that they've done. It's of the not episodes. the list that they're yeah. pulling. Mm-mm. I presume that this was no. the list that they were going to be doing, but... That's what they've done, so yeah. No, that's interesting. Appeal or suggest? Which I think it might be where part of it came from. Uh, and the fact that they were so eager to cover the silent movies and things like that, uh, like they were really committing to it. And it must be a mammoth. You're going to be doing this for the rest of your life. And I don't envy them when they reach the 70s and hit some of the like awful dreck that was produced then or really offensive material. Um, but maybe they'll be able to steer clear of that with a very strict definition of what a horror film is to them. So, yeah. Yeah, I'd be curious just to listen to the first episode it's to pretty see cool. what their definitions are. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. No, I do. Um, yeah. 
So because, so there are up to episode two hundred and seven. And what year is it they're at? Okay, I know the only thing that's confusing. Yeah, is the vampire right? Vampiri, which is the first Italian horror movie as such, at the beginning of a whole renaissance. That sounds silly to say about Italian movies of Italian horror movies. That's why I said, oh, they have all that giallo ahead of them, and that kind of that stuff gets hard to watch after a while. That's the other thing is opening it up to full world cinema. The um, like. They're never going to get out of the 50s. You don't have to worry about them oh, getting the 50s out of the 70s. Or the 60s, you know. That, I know, that's what that's I'm saying. Just, I'm yeah. just like, yeah. So I'd be curious to see. I, I want to listen to their first episode to get their, mm. their who they are and what they're doing. Right. Who Who is they and what they do? Uh, they come out on Wednesdays, everybody. So. Yeah, but if you're um, trying to catch up on stuff, you, you have like, Lots of episodes before, you know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, and if they're good to listen to, then you could just that you could just live in that when, for a while. When they did Gojira, there was a really interesting, for people who aren't familiar with Godzilla, there was an interesting, like, 10 or 15 minute kind of monologue that Sarah delivers that gives a historical context for why this is a horror film. And also... What the hell is all this about? It's, you know, we we've been con- culturally distanced from the atomic bomb for years now. Yeah. And so the fact that they took the care to go, okay, this is what. Yeah, happened. and Americans have been culturally distanced yes, from the atomic always. bomb forever for for the whole time. We don't have it. Did not have the impact on us that it obviously had on Japan. But um, but yeah, the fact that they took the time to try to let, let's put this into a historical context so you understand why this was horrific and why the imagery and the stuff from this film works so powerfully. It's like, oh, in context, it's terrifying. But um, so what did you did you find something this week that you last week that you want to share? I will uh, say that in case you missed it, because it's not like there was much fanfare about it. Uh, the new Pixar movie came oh. out. Uh, it's on Disney+. Plus. It's called Luca. It's adorable and good about sea monsters, mm-hmm. and I really liked it. I, I, that is interesting. Now that you mentioned it, I heard nothing about it except from you. Yep. So why was it just dumped that way? Because we're in the middle of a pandemic. I Beyond that, I could not tell you. I don't know why they didn't decide to try and release it in theaters. Mm-hmm. They might have. Yeah. Um, but it's they didn't even do the... Cruella treatment mm-hmm. and uh, make you pay. Right. Um, which is funny because I may have paid for Luca. I would never pay for Cruella. Right. So, uh, but, you know, it came out on Friday. It's very sweet. It's beautiful. It's about sea monsters. It's a really, there are moments in Italy. Jim Gaffigan and Maya Rudolph are the sea monster's parents. And there are moments of like laugh out loud at how funny they are together. When you see the father of one of the characters, you'll know when this when I say this. Uh-huh. You will look and you will say if you have seen other animated films, why does this person look so familiar? Why? What other father figure does he look like? What is it? And the answer is cloudy with a chance of meatballs. 
that's all I'm going to say. But that's that's what you're thinking. It about. also felt at times like there's they're really pushing hard as advertising for Vespa. I mean, yeah. yeah Vespa also, this might be really the first the Pixar movie with an actual villain. Yeah. They don't tend to have actual villains in Pixar films. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nature or, you know, whatever, yeah. or or a person who is just misunderstood or whatever. Was There's a real asshole in this movie. Was Up a Pixar film? I'm trying to remember. Yes. Okay, so that film also had a villain that I can think of it, but I can't. Did it? Yes, the uh, the lost commander with his airship and his remote control dogs. But he wasn't. But he I mean, ended he up being mad. a broken. Like right. that's the that's thing. It. He didn't start that way. He ended this that kid way. in in Luca is just an ass. Right. Like just an ass. And, and at it, the end, his his hench people are like, you know what? Fuck off. <laughs> the scene where he's like demanding and insisting that his hench people slap each other or slap him. You slap him. It it, it's, there's two scenes that that happens. Right. In, yeah. It's really funny. And then Maya Rudolph's attack on the children playing soccer. She's very good. It's it's, really it, there funny. are some really funny things yeah, in it. I think it was very good. Comedy. I liked it very much. I really liked Onward. Mm-hmm. And I liked this one a lot as well. Yeah. So uh, I, I do recommend it highly. Mm. Luca, he does not live on the second floor. He does not. No. All right. That brings us to the end, I think. Next week, The Stand, first episode. It's called The End, but it is, in fact, The Beginning. Truth in Advertising. Trixie. Yeah. Uh, Until then, if you have questions or comments or concerns... You can email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at latecomerspod, or you can find us on Facebook, uh, latecomerspodcast. In the search bar, we'll get you where you need to go. We have a fan page and a business page. You choose. Join both. It's everyone is welcome. Uh, I remind you to take your medicine, and we remind you better late than never. never.